Tandem Nomads, episode 226. So yeah, thought leadership these days is really a way of connecting to the right people. Um, and it's just helping them to see the world in the way that you do. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. One of the great ways I always recommend my clients to be able to get more exposure and be seen in their industry as the go-to expert is speaking engagement. I'm a big fan of of that marketing strategy. And to speak about that specific strategy, I brought to you a great expert in the matter, Jessica Lynch. Jessica, are you ready for this ride? I am. <laughs> Thanks, Emil. My pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. Nomad Nation, I would like to introduce you to Jessica. Here is in few words who she is. So she helps people and organizations make more impact through leadership and communication. Her work as a leadership strategist and change communication specialist is focused on coaching and supporting thought leaders in public speaking, strategic positioning, and high impact communication. So Jessica is the founder of a boutique communication and leadership coaching agency for thought leaders called Revolve for Impact. And also she leads a foundation called Women Talk Tech to make more room for female experts on tech stages. In addition, she has been a TEDx licensee as well as a TED and TEDx speaker coach for over 10 years. Through this work, she has programmed and coached hundreds of speakers, authors, and business leaders, supporting them in both leadership and in bringing their ideas to life. I could have not dreamt a better person than you <laughs> to come talk about this topic, Jessica. Thank you uh, so much. <laughs> you're welcome. It is such a pleasure to be here. Nice to connect with your audience. We've been talking about it for a while. We've been, we've been exchanging now for a couple of years. I think mm -hmm. and I've always been loving all what you do and what you put out there. And I do believe that speak and I've lived it in my own business speaking engagement has been actually one of my top marketing strategies to attract clients and I always recommend it but sometimes it requires some expertise to be able to do it confidently but yes. I'd love to just in a few minutes before we get into this topic to get to know you a little bit how did you get to be specialized in this? And you're such a TEDx you're the TEDx expert actually mm -hmm. uh, that I know of and I would love to know how how you came about this. Sure. Um, so we've covered this before. I know a lot of your audience are um, are in different countries. I also am American, as you can hear from my voice, but I've lived in the Netherlands for 25 years. So I came here at the end of high school. And one of the things I noticed here, I, I studied communications and I was, was working in, you know, in communication, in tech companies as a communications person, manager, director. Um, and one of the things I noticed was that, you know, Dutch people in many European countries also don't have the type of communication training, basically, that we had in the US growing up and going to school, mm -hmm. presenting ourselves from kindergarten. It just wasn't the way that education went here. So where I was very comfortable speaking and telling my story and pre presenting myself, I found that colleagues and companies weren't. At the same time, so this is a little bit of a story of being 
in the right place at the right time, um, Ted started licensing TEDx. So what that meant was it stopped being at this exclusive event in California. Well, it still is, but they started having this also independently promoted um, event program in 2009. And I just happened to hear about it and get excited about it. So I started volunteering for that organization in the Netherlands right from the start and then realized, hey, this is actually something super fun that I love. And it's so nice working with all these speakers. So I was working in communications and also on the side working for TEDx. And little by little, those started to merge because all of my clients, I was I had my own business at that point. I was a communications consultant and I was finding all my clients didn't care as much about the collateral rollout that I was doing for the organization. They actually wanted to sit down at lunch with me and talk about how they could present better and be a little bit more inspiring. That's my most common request. Mm. How do I be more inspiring? Um, so yeah, it kind of found, found me a little bit more than I found it. And it's just been like a really exciting journey since then. And I love in your story, how you also frame, like, what is the problem that you solve as well? And a lot of people look for business ideas, uh, or have businesses. I do love how you just frame that. So no, Nation, if you're listening, listen to what Jessica (laughs) just said before speaking of tips and speaking, it's really important to be able to frame that, but let's, uh, back off a little bit. I would like you to share, like, what are the, why would you recommend speaking engagement? What are the benefits? What happens when you start speaking on stage for a business owner, um, be it virtually or physically in the space? Well, if I could back up for a moment, even like to zoom out from not even just talking about speaking, mm-hmm. if, if we're talking about entrepreneurs here, but in, but talking about really knowing and understanding your story and the value that you're bringing. Because to me, that's really what the whole thing is about, um, is kind of getting right in there, kind of what's the foundation of what you're bringing out there into the world, understanding kind of why you're doing it and what's special and unique and interesting about it. Because every business owner, sometimes we lose it along the way, but every business owner has that in them. So to me, it's about really owning and understanding your story. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that, being able to bring it out on stages is fantastic, not only for your business, but for other people. And there's other people who are interested in what you have to offer when you can authentically, I hate, sorry to use that word, but it just comes up in my field, (laughs) um, when you can authentically share what you're doing how you're doing it. There's always people who are looking for that. And it's not only that you are looking for them, but they're looking for you. So being on a, on a stage and in front of lots of people gives you the opportunity to kind of cast that net in a really wide way and find your people. Yeah. If, if I try to sum up what you're trying to say here, although it's so, I love how you backed it up even further. It was a great idea because what it tells me is Uh, going into speaking engagement first helps get clarity on our messaging for our own sake, first of all, like aligning with our own, own story and understanding where we can make an impact by reflecting on that, those topics. And we'll talk about that. And exactly. then obviously, once we do that work and get clarity on our messaging, it helps us be more effective with 
attracting the right people in our business and getting visibility. Yes, exactly. Very well summarized. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I love, I love what you said that here. Now, I want to just real quick talk about some of the limiting beliefs that I hear when I suggest speaking engagement is to say, but who, who am I to, who is going to want to listen to me? Or mm. even a little bit of fear of stage fear, obviously, the fear of speaking in front of an audience. So these are the two big objections that I hear when we're just starting out in business or sometimes even we have experience in business, but not in getting visibility. What would you answer to those uh, objections or okay. limiting beliefs? <laughs> Maybe let's take them each each separately. So the mm -hmm. first one is um, I'm nobody. <laughs> who wants to hear from me? Interestingly enough, I, I know that your that your your listeners here and the people that you tend to um, to work with are entrepreneurs for the most part. A lot of times, the people that I work with are in leadership, and believe it or not, um, even people who are in certain leadership roles within a company might also have that fear of, you know, who wants to hear from me. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to hide behind the idea of like, okay, let me just present the company rather than let me present my own spin on it. This sounds, I feel like this sounds a little fluffy, but it, it, it's truly true. I really believe this. And I have found this from working really with hundreds of people. This has never, ever been wrong that every single person has a different lived experience and as a result has a completely different way of seeing the world. You talked about framing before, how I frame my own story. Everybody has their own frame. And so bringing other people into your frame essentially you know, teaches people something or it has the ability to show something And I, I literally have never come across another person on this earth that I've had a conversation with that where that hasn't been true. So that would be my answer so to people who are feeling like that. Like, what do I have to offer? That's what you have to offer. The experience that you've had that I haven't. This is so true. I had a mentor of mine when I was just starting out very like 10 years ago who, who told me there will always be somebody who knows less than you do. So you will always be the expert of something because every person has one thing that she knows better than another. Exactly. That is exactly the point. And it is, I think it's something that really holds us back to the need to, you know, we have these kind of constructs sometimes in society, especially women, but you know, especially. men too, but especially women of like what an expert is what somebody who should be on a stage is, um, you know, what the qualifications are for a leader. And even though we want to like break all of those predefined definitions, they're still sort of like living in our thoughts and in our bodies. And to me, the idea of an expert is, can be really very different than what our preconceived notions are. It doesn't necessarily mean you have a PhD in a topic you often are expert of experience and that could be, you know, of your various different string of experiences. There's always a way to tie all of this together and show sort of your line of expertise. It's just, I think we don't tend to tap into it as much. We're kind of 
wrapped up in the old way of thinking about it right. sometimes. Right. And how about the fear of stage? Is there any quick tip you can share well, to deal with it? So the fear of stage is, is, I mean, real there. They, they say that public speaking is like in the top three fears, or maybe it's the number one fear, the fear of death. And there's another fear, but a fear, public speaking is with in there with death. So it's a very real thing for people to fear stages um, and not something that I would want to be dismissive about and say like, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine because it is very real. Um, and of course you will be fine. But my trick actually, this takes a little work, of course, too, but um is to understand, it goes back to the, what we were just talking about with expertise, is to understand what you're there for, what you have to offer, mm -hmm. and really understand your story. And that can lessen your fear a lot when you understand what you're there for, mm -hmm. and you feel rooted in the value of what you're offering. Because when we don't, we start getting rooted in the fear of what people are thinking about us, what might happen if we mess up those kind of things. So true. And maybe I can add one more thing, which is a bit unrelated, but I'll tell you like a little story, which is um, a couple of years ago, I was at a TEDx event and there was a guy speaking um, who, you know, speaks all the time and he was the, he's the head of a country. I don't want to give too many details to say like who this guy is, but he is the head of a, a country program really high up in a, in a particular country's um, tourism program. And he was presenting this whole new way of urban design for tourists. Anyway, I think he got in his head that it was a high stakes presentation and he just completely had a blackout and he had like the worst blackout I've seen from somebody. I've seen people stumble on their words, but this guy was really like, oh, I know. Oh, I feel like I'm maybe going to faint or he could, he was having a hard time getting air. He had to get some water. There's somebody came on stage to help him see if he was okay. I ended up starting over again. But before we started over, I was sitting in the audience. There are people around me who were just like, come on, buddy, you can do it. You, yes, you got this. I mean, every, everybody around me was like, yeah, you can do it. And when he said he was going to start over, the whole audience gave him a standing ovation. And I love this story. It felt great as an audience member. I felt like I, I felt emotional. Like I wanted to I'm actually be cheering actually. up right now. <laughs> yeah. But the, it was so special because I thought, wow, we all fear his moment. Like we feel like we can't get through it. And we are so worried about what people are thinking of us. And the, at the end of the day, the worst thing that can happen is that everybody's cheering for us. Yeah. I mean, everybody is like looking at our success. So that vulnerability is actually like, it's all right. I love You're human. It. So inspiring. I love that. And thanks for sharing that. So let's go now more into the practical aspects of, of like speaking engagement. And um, the first thing I think that you and I agree on, I know that I've seen so many people trying to do speaking engagement that will just speak of a lot of everything and nothing at the same time and, and change mm -hmm. topics all the time. And I always say it's important to have your 
key signature talks, like your one specific key signature talk up to three, no more, um, to help you really align with your business and your goals. And so that you can also be seen as the go-to expert in this field. Um, so any tips that you might have on how to choose that key topic? Sure. Um, I think that's great advice, by the way. I often um, tell that to people too. And it doesn't mean that you have to branch uh, or you have to kind of put yourself into a box mm. and not be able to branch out um, at any point. But it does mean like, let's get some clarity here, mm. get the get to the center of it all. And then maybe when you say max three, sometimes they're not usually three different ones. They might be like variations of, you know, Correct. if you're speaking with to tandem nomads, you might say, OK, this is my talk for entrepreneurs. This is my talk for let's say families in, you know, transition periods between countries, et cetera. So you have like kind of different audiences and nuanced, nuanced ways of speaking to them. Mm -hmm. How do you get to your topic? Um, so what I advise people to do is come to one core message. And that core message might be something that you never actually say out loud, doesn't matter but so that you know in your head what you are, what value you're trying to offer to people. So coming up with that, that, what I just said sounds like, okay, that's super easy, but it's not. So coming up with that core message, I suggest to people that they put a, a should, the word should in it. Mm -hmm. I'm not a great fan of the word should in general, I must say, except when it comes to this core message. So the reason the word should is there means people are currently doing one thing and the new way that I'm going to talk to them about is something new. So it's kind of introducing that the current way is not exactly the best and the new way is. So for example, let's see, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. So if I say, um, in my own business, if I want to do a, a talk and I say, I want to talk to business leaders, I might say, you should dare to put more of yourself in business presentations. Mm -hmm. The assumption is they're not putting enough of themselves in business presentations and they should. So that's how I would suggest coming up with a core message and then crafting, you know, what, however, the marketing jacket that you put on that core signature speech, crafting it around that core message and the value that you're offering people. This is so good, Jessica. I <sighs> love this tip with the should nomad nation put notes on this one. This is so good. And if I may, I just want to share how your strategy actually, I didn't know about it, but indirectly fits to what happened to me. Like for me, what I recommend is to list the objections that we have from our potential clients from actually taking action and buying or consuming our product or service and addressing it yes. in your keynote. And in my case was like, um, the big problem when I started Tandem Nomads is that expat partners were not thinking as entrepreneurship as a solution to their dual career challenges. So my whole topic was, why is entrepreneurship the solution to dual career challenges? So that then later I can talk about marketing and how to make it happen. But before I needed to change the mindset of this audience so that later they can consider, okay, now how do I do it? Right. Exactly. That, and, and that to me 
what the example that you just gave is exactly kind of what we're talking about here too. Like always do the zoom out. What's the big picture here? And then you could do the zoom in of like, here's all the nuts and bolts and here are the cases and here are the things that we offer maybe, but that's not the big picture. I love it. I love it. I'm going to note this idea of the shit. It's so good. So now that we know what we want to talk about, I was wondering if you have any key tips about delivering this, like in terms of actual speaking engagement, be it virtually or even on stage, what do you, what do what are the key mistakes made, for instance, that you see that you think could be quickly fixed? Um, okay. So it's a big, that's a big area. I'll try to cover it in five minutes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. Um, we'll have to go to you for, to learn more, but yes, <laughs> that's why I say, where are the areas where you can have a quick fix? Cause I know it's a, it exactly requires. Yeah. Well, you mentioned virtual and in person, and I'm going to, I'm going to share one thing about um, both that is effective for both virtual and in-person. So my biggest, what I I find is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make, or it's a big tip, however you look at it, is sharing emotions when you're delivering a talk. Mm. So what I find is like you and me having a conversation over a coffee, we might laugh, we would tell some story like, and you would never believe what happened then. Like really being emotive with each other. Right. And then for whatever reason, the tendency with people is to lose that on stage. Mm. When in fact, we kind of have to double it on stage. We have to be a bigger version of ourselves than we would be in person. So the thing is when you and me are, if we're back to the cafe having a coffee, and we're telling some story and we're laughing, we do impersonations of what the lady said, and oh, it's so funny. You are totally like right with me. We're right there. We're we're in the middle of this funny story. We're cracking up. You feel it because I'm telling you in the way that it felt to me. So when people are then on stage telling the same story, if you don't add in that emotion, other people just can't feel it. So that's kind of the way you transfer things over to me. And that is actually the key, or it's one of the keys to being inspiring generally. So also to, to sort of, this is like a side note, but when I do training sometimes in, in business, I ask people um, who are the most inspiring people that you can think of as speakers. So they might say like, let's say Obama or Simon Sinek or Martin Luther King, for example. Martin Luther King is a little different because this the core of his message is generally very inspiring. But all of those speakers and you know many, many other ones that they've mentioned, Oprah, for example, tend to be really emotive speakers. No one will ever say the reason that they love this person is because they were so theatrical or dramatic. But that's part of what makes us love them is that we feel their feelings. Like when Oprah is there and she's like, oh, look under your chair. We're all like, yes, <laughs> so kind of like transfer the excitement or the frustration or the sadness through doing that. And so many people shy away and feel like, oh, now I'm on stage. Let me be my professional self who just tells my story about what I'm doing. And I'll tell about my company based in 
60 countries and 20 languages. Exactly. Like that kind of that You're kind so of good tone. impersonating it. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. It's such a good tip. I think we should really remember that nomination. And this one objection that I keep hearing about this one is, oh, it depends on culture. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, don't let culture intimidate you because Uh, from a culture to another, people react differently. I know that, for example, when I go to Austria and I speak there, even when I speak to certain countries on webinars, I do see that engagement is different from a culture to another. Yes. But it doesn't mean that I need to change my personality. Um, and that's really important. And even if they are not engaging that way, I think they can still see who you are if you show who you are. Exactly. You're so right. I think that's such an interesting point um, that you're that you're speaking about right now. I just um, finished reading a book called The Culture Map. I don't know if you know oh, this yeah. one. Yes. Um, really interesting. So I have like on the top of mind the kind of different cultural the cultural differences that we might have, and I can understand when people talk about cultural differences as like in the context of how they're going to speak and relay their messages but not as an objection, just more as a, okay, this is a consideration. Let's be considerate of that culture. But actually what we might consider more is like, you know, I work in the Netherlands. This is very kind of um, the Dutch word translated as like a sober culture, mm -hmm. which, you know, word. in a speaking, in a speaking <laughs> um, environment kind of means it can be very flat. Mm -hmm. So consider those, those cultural inflections, because when you're not like that, um, that stands out. Also, it's, it's very interesting. Sometimes I feel like people hide behind like, oh, I don't want to be too American. Right. I can that's say this the argument I'm I didn't dare to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was, that's why I was like, I have the background to be, to be free to say something like that, because there's a concern that they're going to be overly salesy or too emotive or something like that. But usually the thing you fear is the thing you maybe need a tiny bit of when it comes to speaking anyway. All right. And here comes the question that I really wanted to bring you in for as the expert of TEDx is once we learn about all these key tips about speaking, at some point we start needing to actually reach out to speaking engagement opportunities. And one of the big one is the stage of TEDx. So what are the key tips that you can share with us on how to actually land first of all, specifically TEDx speaking engagement. And if you have any tips on other in general as well, it might be interesting. Sure. Um, well, so I will say people come to me um, with request, like when people say, hey, I might want to work with you, it's very often to land a TED talk. So the first thing I'll say, well, is like, hey, let's jump on the phone and see if we're a nice fit for each other. And the first thing I'll say during that call, or maybe the second thing or whatever, is usually, you know, if you set out just to land a TED talk, it will probably be less effective for you than if you set out to really get your craft, your message, uh, get the right story down and start telling it out there into the world. So I feel like TEDx is a stop on the journey, but when it becomes the destination, you often for like kind of lose all the opportunities that you might have mm -hmm. in terms of speaking. Speaking can be very rich for you um, outside of just TEDx. Mm -hmm. So that's often what I tell people first um, in general. 
I'll tell you though, from my experience in programming TEDx, what the, those best practices tend to be um, from a programmer perspective. First, be interesting, yeah. Yeah, that might be that might be useful to know. So, um, what's also good to know though is that TEDx in general is um, that X stands for independently operated. Mm -hmm. So there are you know some heavy brand guidelines from from TED. There are guidelines for for speaking or sorry, for uh, who the speakers can be and what they can speak about on stage. But the decisions that are made for what's placed on stage are um, by the licensees themselves or the curators, whether that's the same person or not. There's a difference between TED TEDx types. So there's smaller TEDxs that are only allowed to have 100 people or there are larger ones that can have more than 100 people. The reason that would matter to a speaker, because those talks all end up on the same channel, the reason that might matter, matter to a speaker is that usually the licensee who can have 100 people or more has gone through extensive training from TED. And what that means is usually that they, A, have more experience, but they that they really kind of have the TED values and brand values in mind. That doesn't mean that a smaller event doesn't, but it's pretty guaranteed that they do if they've had more training. So I usually recommend for people to go for more established events that have been around longer. Mm -hmm. That being said, so as a programmer, um, what you're taught by TED when you do go through that extensive training is to look for the ideas and not per se the person. So within the TEDx community, the programmers community, we all you know, have some nice little groups and stuff where we keep in touch. There's always this complaint like, hey, has anybody else been getting this mail from this coach? So we might get, you know, somebody in, in Kyoto might get the same mail as someone in Dubai as mm -hmm. me in Amsterdam from the same person who's like, hi, I'm a coach and I'd like to tell this story about X, Y, Z. And here's why I'd be great for TEDx. And it's sort of a very generic proposal that is basically like blanketed out and sent to everybody. Mm. There is a certain feeling within the TEDx community of like, oh, those people are just trying to get the TED talk, right? Mm. So back to don't make TEDx the destination. Mm. Instead of really being out there and speaking about their ideas and letting us see what they're all what their idea is all about. So TEDx programmers are looking for people who are speaking in other about their ideas in other let's say media or on other platforms you know kind of walking the talk before landing the talk so that's also why i say focus on that journey of like really getting your story out there in mm -hmm. the world and ted the ted talk will come as one of those steps and you know what you're saying about tedx stages or ted stage there's one TED stage and multiple TEDx stages is to actually cater to the leader of that platform. That's really important. But also the second thing is start talking. The goal is to talk. And then at some point, making it an obsession will not help. Right. So exactly. uh, I think it's really important to, to do it, but first be led by the actual topic, like the, the fire that you have in you to share that message rather than the goal itself of that platform. Exactly. But is there any tips that you could share of what to do instead that can help actually and how to adapt that approach to reaching out 
uh, to the platforms to be able to land a speaking engagement? So I talked said what not to do in terms of TEDx. So no generic blanket copy paste to a whole bunch of people. That being said, um, and that's especially in TEDx because TEDx organizers do talk. But that being said, if you were to write to anybody about a speaking opportunity, so let's say somebody is contacting you to be on the Tandem Nomads podcast, I'm going to guess that if someone says, hi, Amel, I've been listening to the Tandem Nomads podcast for a long time. I like what you do in terms of... Um, you know, X, Y, Z, I find the, the, the topics, this, this, and this, that you've been covering to be really interesting and, um, that you're speaking to this type of an audience is very interesting too. I also speak with entrepreneurs and here's my message. You know, if they really begin and connect with you, then you feel like as a platform, and I'm, I'm using you as an example, mm -hmm. but I'm guessing that That's this great. is true, <laughs> but what you would feel then as a platform is much more seen and that you feel that that proposal is intentional. Right. So I see it all the time. Yeah. Connect with your audience, no matter what you're doing, whether you're pitching yourself, whether you're speaking on stage, whether you are you know, coming up with copy for um, your website or for LinkedIn, the idea is that you're making a connection with the people who are going to see it or hear it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing with proposing yourself for speaking opportunities. Right. So on a really, you know, kind of logistical note of how to do that, um, I would start with thinking about what you're, you know, for example, going back to that signature talk that you were saying, or your signature mm -hmm. message. So um, figuring out what that message is and look, doing your research, looking around at like, what are some events and places, podcasts, places where I can get that message out and just listing them and knowing like, okay, I could talk to this um, podcast, let's say the Tandem Nomads podcast about um, being an entrepreneur and doing, getting your speaking, um, engagements and, and getting your word out there. I could talk to this particular virtual summit about this value, you know, kind of make a list like that. Okay. Who are the organizers? Who can I contact? What can I connect with them on your copy paste can maybe be in the middle in terms mm -hmm. of what that signature top topic is, but mm -hmm. the, the kind of jacket that you put it in will depend on where you're doing your pitch. Yes. And I would say pitching 10 places in that type of personal way will probably be 10 times more effective than pitching 100 in a copy-paste generic kind of way. This is such a great tip here. Um, just again, one thing I want to, I start to see is people who do try that thing of trying to adapt and be personal but it's so, it doesn't feel personal. It's like, oh, I love Tandem Nomads. It's so great what you do. But you can see that it's they've never listened to a single episode. So right. being specific, right? And, and those who I pay attention to is when I see that actually this person has seen the nitty gritty thing, little detail that only if you paid attention, you would know. So I think that's how you also get a bit of the attention of the person who makes the decision. Exactly. And it's good for you too, right? You want to speak on platforms where you know, because it. I, I'm telling you, once you get into speaking, you will realize, especially if you haven't done, if you've done it before, you will know exactly what I mean. 
it takes a lot of energy to prepare right. a talk. So mm -hmm. there's no point in doing it if it's not the right audience for you. Why would you do that if you're not if your message isn't aligned? So take the time to make sure that it's the right audience for you and then it's easy yes. to write the pitch. Love that. Love how we align so much. I know that, you know, how like everything you're saying is so aligned as well with any tips with reaching out to a client, even without speaking, that's such a good tip of how to reach out to someone. And at Nation, I have a whole episode actually of how to phrase your request. Mm. And I will put it in the show notes of this episode is this method that I call the you, me, us, like first start with them. And then, then show how what you have to offer fits into that. And then finally finish with how can we collaborate? What can we do together? And actually that's again uh, about them, right? <laughs> I love that. I, you know, I just, um, before we, before we met today, um, I was just in a client call right before this and we were, I was talking about it and he was talking about it. We were kind of going together of like, how can we create the us? This is for mm. a talk that he's going to give. And anytime you can connect with somebody else on the level of us, then you're not just kind of talking to them like, hey, I'm standing up here and you're down there and we're different. But if you can be equals with people and speak on that type of level, then there's a, a trust there. That's so good. If you're doing it in a true way, right? If like, but where can we connect in some way? So I would do that on a stage and do it in a pitch, do it in a podcast, et cetera. But, you know, kind of as fellow entrepreneurs, as fellow people working in whatever industry, as fellow tandem nomads. Oh, yeah. And you know, you keep saying something that I want to highlight is uh, authentic, being authentic. And this is so important. You kept saying it all along our interview. And I really want to insist on that part, because no matter if you do it through voice, through vo video or through writing, people know when you're not being authentic, but also people know when you are being authentic and that also a great way to connect as well. So that's important. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. And Nomad Nation, I will put that episode on the You, Me, Us inside the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 224, as well as a lot of resources that Jessica has, which goes back to me asking you, there's so much more we can talk about speaking. There is, I feel like and, we could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And you've got some, great experience in that. And I just want to, although you specialize in TEDx, I mean, you do a lot of other things in helping people basically position themselves as leaders and communicate. Yeah. Just one thing about that point about TEDx and that I remember you told me when I was considering TEDx is like, when you plan a TEDx, you might not land the TEDx, but it actually will land you other speaking engagements and the work you do for that, you're going to be able to replicate it and amplify it with other platforms. So this is really a great tip. Well, you know, it's funny because that it's so in line with the thing that you mentioned before about what you share with your clients, mm -hmm. where you have your clients work on a signature talk. To me, the advice I often give is let's create a signature talk rather than a TEDx talk mm -hmm. and then, you know, see what comes from there. So I think what you're advising actually is spot on and completely what I would say too, is like almost forget TEDx. Yes. That's, a, that's like where my background comes from. So I don't mm -hmm. mean it like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, kind of forget that as the goal and go for the signature talk. 
Yeah, that's just so good. And this is where you help people. So actually, could you tell us more about your services and how do you support entrepreneurs and leaders to communicate and set themselves in their industry? Sure. So, um, so I started out just doing speaker coaching. So I would basically, you know, work one-on-one with anybody who has a high stakes talk. I say high stakes, it could be anything, but that's usually what people hire for. Um, but in doing that, just realized how much people kind of also needed to back up and look at why they're speaking in the first place. So I, I, I still work with people one-on-one to prepare any kind of speaking talks, speaking engagements that they have, but I've also moved into leadership that covers the area of thought leadership, but it's also, you know, different areas of communication, understanding strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. So I work with people in, um, in a program context. So Mm -hmm. six month program, half one-on-one and partially some group work that we do as well. Um, to get you into not only being a speaker, but into a thought leader. And then the next step after that is into a visionary and kind of meet you wherever you are in that nice. spectrum. I like that. That's really interesting. So what is the best place to find you and your resources? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, well, my website is revolveforimpact.com. That's R-E-V-O-L-V-E for impact.com and resources and my podcast will be on there I promise that that (laughs) podcast is gonna launch um, hopefully either by the time this episode airs or shortly afterwards so the podcast will be there too and where to find it will be out there as well Yes, we'll put all the link on the show notes of this episode. And it's going to be Nomad Nation on tandemnomads.com slash 224. I will put all the links there. Great. Um, And I also always welcome LinkedIn connections too. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So Nomad Nation. Yeah, I highly recommend you to check out Jessica's website podcast and reach out to her directly if you feel like this is your time to start speaking up literally <laughs> right yes, speaking up exactly. about the topics that you really want to make an impact on and i know that jessica and i are both very passionate about helping our clients make an impact and i could see it like through our conversations how yeah the people we want to help are those who want to make an impact and i believe that speaking is such literally and figuratively a great way of of making that impact in, in our fields. So thank you too. It's been such a pleasure to connect with you this afternoon and um, yeah, look forward to, to reading the, the you, me, us, or oh. to hearing that episode also. <laughs> oh, sure. With pleasure. So thank you for taking the time. I know how busy you are and Nomad Nation, so much great resources from Jessica. Check them out. Tandemnomads.com slash 226. I can't wait to meet you in the next episode, Nomad Nation, and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.